On this week's episode, Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge has thoughts on Marvel for 2023. Josh and I debate over how long is too long for a video game and what happens when the guys from the Lakers fast break run the show when I'm not there. Another loaded shows on tap as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for joining us again at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here. It is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is 2023. And after a kind of all over the place, 2021 and 2022, we now come to some major things happening in 2023 when it comes to the future and direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A lot of introductions have been made over the past couple of years. Not everybody's been on board with it. I know that my guest and I have been all over the place on the shows and the movies that have been represented over the past couple of years and our thoughts on exactly what direction is coming out of it. But we always have faith in that Kevin Feige has a plan and that it's being drawn up and it's always there. The blackboard is still straight. It's not like DC with James Gunn. It's all over the place and all that still trying to figure out what's going on there. With MCU, it's always something that even though we like it or we don't like it, we always know there's a plan in place. And we know that's going to come a little bit better into shape this year in 2023 with some of the stuff that's coming out, including, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Secret Invasion, Loki Season 2, and more. And here today to discuss, or maybe have some predictions, per se, even better, of what can take place in the MCU this year. Is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the MCU's Bleeding Edge, all over social media, especially on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe today. The MCU's Bleeding Edge. It is Jeff Sloboda, Mr. True Knowledge. Great to have you back, my friend. Happy New Year. I You asked me in December when you could come back. And I told you because of uh, traveling and schedules, we put a lot of best ofs out there. We record a lot of stuff in advance. I already had things written out, but I told you mid January, you're coming back on my friend. So I hit you up today. I said, dude, can you come on and talk about your thoughts and some predictions on what's going on for this year in the MCU? Because this is a very pivotal year, in my opinion, because we all know phase six, Phase five, it's all here. It's all going to start now. Phase six is when all the big stuff is coming down with uh, Kang's dynasty and secret wars and all that good stuff. You know, when really is going to hit, you know, everything is going to hit the fan per se. I can't say what's going to hit the fan, but, you know, you get the idea. But your thoughts, my friend, on 2023, because I think this is a pivotal year when people should start getting back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because we, as we know, a lot of people have gotten off that train. I think this is the year where people need to start getting back in. Hey, I mean, perfect timing for there to be this break. Really, yeah. you know, really, I mean, for the things have worked out really well because um, to reinforce, um, and I want to thank you, Gerald, right off the bat, not for the opportunity to be on here and everything. And I want to say out there that everybody should, you know, support the Pop Culture Cosmos to support Gerald, you know, and his team and everybody that involved because I'm, um, he, you know, listen, the, the real inside joke is, is that true knowledge is just a joke. Gerald's more professional than I am times 17,000. 
So thank you. If anybody should have a true knowledge next to his name, it should be him, not me. That mine, no, mine is, no. I, mine's set, is a joke. You know, I'm just gonna say, to be honest with you, that sets you up for disaster. If I call myself true knowledge, Gerald Glassford, that would set me up for a lot of teasing and razzing, especially on the Lakers fast break. Joe, uh, well, I co-host Joe Soro would go <laughs> ahead and go to town on that every single time. So yeah, yeah I, well, you I'm know going to I try am, and t- dance around the tulips on that one, my friend. Gerald will tell you, I, I like to, I like to, I can make a joke out of everything. And I like yes. and I, my favorite, my favorite target for humor is myself. It always is. I love to beat myself up. So, so I want to yeah. ask you, my friend, I mean, you and I, I was on your show and you've been on my show several times now in the past two years and we've talked about the highs and lows of phase four a lot of introductions a lot of shows that may not have uh, presented the mcu in the best light something that you know you you can say the show whether it's miss marvel whether it's moon knight whether it's any of the shows that have been you know the eternals they've had their hits and their misses all have made okay money outside of maybe Black Widow. I think Black Widow was was hampered by the hey, environment. Miss Marvel made that. what three hundred million dollars? Yeah, that just, is just for the Disney big, Plus alone. That's probably the biggest disappointment financially for them out of any of these. But be that as it may, as far as the introductions and things of that nature, a lot of people have gotten off the Marvel Cinematic Universe train because they've. Just, you know, the, whether it's burnout or whether it's just been really hard to follow or whether the quality of some of the stuff has not been there. I know you've liked a lot of shows that I have not liked as much and vice versa. But heading into 2023, I am really, really satisfied with what's going on because we're seeing a lot of familiar faces from the past coming back on to what we're seeing in the MCU this year. It's not a lot of fresh faces that people are unfamiliar with. It's more like, hey, the old crew is coming back together one last time. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is a really interesting place. Like I was saying, I mean, the timing right now for there to be a break, it couldn't, couldn't be more perfect, right? As far as, you know, those that are kind of like maybe on the fringe of the fandom and need something to kind of give them to, some hope. This is a little nice break to give them a chance to breathe and just, you know, chill out, no more Marvel for a while. And then must, we'll roll into, Ant, you know, roll into Ant-Man 3 Quantumania, which I think will deliver. Maybe maybe not to the box office level that maybe Disney would like to see, although I don't know what their expectations really are considering the, the first two films didn't make that much money in the box office well, anyway. I've, I've spoke to you about this before when it comes to Ant-Man. Ant-Man is more like a Marvel thing, where it's yes. a favorite among Marvel inside as far as yes what their plans are. It didn't matter to them as much how much money it's made. They love the story of Ant-Man, the quantum technology, the quantum realm, that whole universe of ant-man they've wanted to always tell the story in multiple episodes no matter how poor or no matter how well it did i think this will do the best out of all three ant-mans but that's not a high bar financially so i think it will do better than the other two just because simply the fact that you know it only needs to make it needs to get anywhere near wakanda forever and I think it'll be a, the a, a huge commercial success for Marvel if that's the case. I think it's just more been a labor of love for Marvel because Ant Man to them I think exemplifies, you know, with all the Captain Marvels and the Spider Mans, the Iron Mans that are just so big and huge. The Ant Man is something that they love and that's more personal to them. Well, it's also a situation where because of the fact that the original six is basically like uh, its last legs, yeah. um, you know, um, what we have left from the connective tissue to our original MCU characters, right? From yes. phases one through three. 
So there's always going to be that attachment to the fan with the fans, no matter what. That'll never go away. You know, if you love them, if it, people may have turned away from the MCU fandom, possibly, but they'll never forget their relationships with those those characters, and they'll love those films. Yeah. So at that point, for me, for me, it's a labor of love because I just find the fact that it's going to end up being a, a trilogy of films where it's, it's going to end up being all consistently done, well done, I think. Right? You know, like I don't think there'd be a fourth installment. And I do think that overall, I love the fact that. You had two, like, sort of almost, um, uh, if you want to say, cult classic Marvel films, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, uh, and then you had, now here we are, they were kind of comedic and spoofy in a way, and kind of, like, not so serious. And here we are now, we're going to launch into the third the third episode of installment of the trilogy, and they're going to really take it to a new level and actually drop our big, big, bad villain into the film. And, and, and you, know, and with, with, yeah. with, you know with trailers, uh, especially the Marvel trailers, even though they based off of a, a recent court ruling on another film yes. trailer that they cannot be as misleading or they're a little bit more guarded. It seems like on the surface that there's going to be a climactic battle between Kang and Ant-Man with uh, the Ant-Man, at least on the surface, losing out because he even says, I'm not here to win. I'm just here to take you out and lose at the same time. We're both going to lose together. I really think when it comes down to it, I think a major thing is going to happen as far as the Kang universe going forward that we're going to see in this and also Loki season two, where Kang becomes a major integral part of the universe and people will have to start, <laughs> as you're showing me the notes there, Kang is going to be such an integral part of the story going forward because he is the new Thanos. He is someone that's supposed to make you believe he's stronger than Thanos because of the way he can control time and space. So your thoughts on how Kang is going to be developed this year in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not 24, 25, because we all know how that's going to end up, especially if you have a movie named after you. I'm talking about this year. How is the Kang character going to be developed in stories mainly in Loki and Ant-Man Quantumania? This is where the vision of Disney Plus from a creative standpoint, not from a financial standpoint, it, it can become a positive. It, it can become not a non-impediment, not be an impediment with the fandom in any way where there, there's not any situation where I'm in the, in the studio before shows and I've got guests telling me that, that they feel like there's no connective tissue in the Disney Plus series. You know what I mean? Like we were used to in the, the first three phases of the MCU and they missed that. They feel, the, they feel an attachment with some of this stuff. Um, pardon me. And uh, basically, um, you know, overall, um, I feel like um, they're going to be very. They're going to use Disney Plus. They're going to use. They're going to use a different, a different, a type, type of different way of handling Kang. He's a different kind of character, different villain than Thanos. He's not as overt and direct. He's not as, um, you know, his. Uh, he doesn't want to, you know, to um, his goals don't reflect in any way Thanos's goals. They're completely mm -hmm. opposite to each other. His his desires and what and what he wants to gain out of what he wants to want to, what he wants to do as a villain, totally different than Thanos, right? And as far as him being more powerful, now you know I think that that's that's you could use that term, but in a different way because you got to remember, and I'm sure you people have noticed in the trailers already, or anybody who knows from the comics, Kang doesn't doesn't even use the Infinity Gauntlet, right? There's not going to be anything like that. And on his own, Kang is an individual without his technology and whatnot. He doesn't have any superpowers really. It's his ability to manipulate time, right? And that's what makes him interesting. And the fact that there's so many different versions of him that can then that, that do have certain powers or 
have abilities that other Kangs. So, like, you know, that's the thing. You don't know what the hell you're going to get with with each Kang variant. Like, we don't know in Loki Season 2, which Kang is that going to be? Yeah. Like, for, you know, the, the, which variant, you know, version is that going to be that's going to be in Loki Season 2? We know we're going to get them, probably. But I see probably Loki Season 2 as being the vehicle that's going to establish, just as Loki Season 1 sort of was like a stepping stone into kind of explaining to people that the, the time variance authority was introduced very for introduced for a very good reason to help explain to people how these different dimensions work, how the multiverse works, how time works to some extent. So we could we could go into this sort of realm of the multiverse. Now what we're going to get with Loki season two is going to be time travel, right? Um, you know how how does how is Kang operate? They're going to tie it in, right? And I'm really look, looking forward to. It, I'll be honest with you. We're going to end up dedicating the entire three-hour probably show just on previewing Loki season two. And honestly, um, overall, I think it's going to be very inventive. I'm really optimistic. I really am that they're going to do a really great job. They've got, I think what, if you got eight productions coming out that I know of this year, we're going to get, we're going to have one less than this year, than 2022 and 2021, where we had nine. If you count in Venom and you count in Morbius, we're going to get eight this year. I believe that's a good number. I like that number. I think that's, a, a fair number it might even be seven. I'm not sure, but either way, I like the, the, the them going a little bit lower, and maybe going down down a little bit. I think the movies we're gonna get are gonna be great. All of them are gonna be solid films. I really do. I'm very optimistic, and I think that um Kang, uh, hey, with Jonathan Majors playing the character, I don't really see how it can't go wrong. They can't go wrong with it. I really don't. I think that was a great casting decision, a great choice. He has been tremendous so far. I've seen him in other works and just been outstanding. I'm truly impressed by his ability and what he brings to the character. I really uh, was kind of worried that can you create a character that's as menacing as Thanos was without a whole ton of CGI or anything of that nature? And it's apparently that Jonathan Majors, as uh, Kang, whatever variant you want to say, it's such a complex role. Because you're playing, like you said, different variations of one particular character. It is truly, from what I've seen, been outstanding so far from what I've seen from Jonathan Majors, the way he's played off of himself in different formats. So I'm really impressed by what I see. Gerald, think Moon Knight. Think Moon Knight, right? Think Moon Knight and think uh, think of the, you know, I'm just saying as a sort of a comparison. Uh, Do I have to think of Moon Knight? I'm not a big fan. Oh, come on. Me neither, man. But you you know what I'm saying, though, in terms of that. that, Hey, I didn't like, I didn't, you already know how I felt about Moon Knight. But at the end of the day, though, I also respected the performance that, that, um. Well, yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, his his performance is outstanding. What he was given and the fact that it right now it just still feels like it's not connected to the MCU. That's my part on Moon Knight where I say because like if I watched it right now, it would seem to me like a totally separate series. If it would if it didn't say Marvel in front of it, I wouldn't even know it existed in the MCU. Hey, look, it, you, you can't play no connection. There's no connection to anything. You can't blame the actors or the actresses when like No, um, no, and like I said it's know. not it's and it's certainly not because of acting. It's because of what was given to these actors to go ahead and perform with. So that's why I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I feel bad for Oscar Isaac because I thought he acted his ass off. But I mean, you know, honestly, I think when it boils down to it, Sarah Finn, the name that nobody ever brings up and nobody mentions and whatnot, but she's so pivotal, right? In which and what Marvel's been doing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know Feige and his inner circle also have a, a, a hand in, in casting and whatnot too. And she's just not like on her own, just solo, just do whatever she wants to do. But she's been handling the majority of the casting overall 
for the for the really the, all the big films and a lot of the Disney Plus series. I think they're even probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they're even probably on the side getting advice from her on Star Wars casting. Right? It wouldn't surprise me. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same as Jay's Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh. Jock and Nerd! So, in the MCU this year, you've got a lot of things on tap, like we talked about with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as far as the films, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You also have, for the TV shows, in early spring, something we actually... Uh, got wrong when you and I were talking earlier today. What if season two actually is coming out in early 2023, followed by a secret invasion, followed by Loki, followed by Echo, I think. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing right now from them. uh, As far as the TV side of thing, of course, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, you know, Sony has got to say they're two cents about something. Obviously we got to talk about the Marvels in late July. That's going to come out as a big film. That whole Marvel's coming together, all the different stories within the Marvel part of it coming together. Ironheart coming out later this year. They are subject to change. Did I scare you a little bit earlier when I was a little bit like nervous, saying like trying to say that I could even really officially tell you what the lineup is and what we're going to have this year for Dis- for the Disney Plus series? It's I think in twenty twenty. It is fluid. It's always changing, and I think that you know. If there's any, I, I think that a lot of the stuff in 2023 is pretty solid. I'm not going to say it's 100%. I think the stuff later in 2023 is still subject to change. But I think on the front side, you talk about uh, halfway through and maybe up to the Marvels in late July. I think you can count on them hitting their release dates. I think at some point in time, you just can't maneuver much of those properties. Oh, the, the films are locked in. Yeah, the films are locked in, and I think on the TV shows past Loki, anything is up to uh, challenge, anything is up to debate, anything is up to being move around still. But I think up to Loki, you're good on a schedule for TV as well. Well, I think that that just, but that just that's for me. We're, we've been doing a Phase Five and Phase Six preview every Sunday, right? On the MCU's Bleeding Edge, we're, we're making a series out of it. I started it off and didn't really know how I wanted to approach it. So we did something really interesting. I realized right off the bat, Gerald, I think you probably would have thought of doing something like this too. In the studio, just, just from the banter between the guests, I could kind of tell when I started the show that we weren't going to be able to get into phase five and phase six unless we flushed out phase four. Well, then also be- you got you also have to remember there's Sony again. They could yeah. do the way – they could bring out Craven the Hunter. There's speculation that they're going to bring it out in October. It's right now on the schedule okay. in October after Ironheart. And then you've got – 
X-Men 97, the animated series. How can they tie that in? Because you know that obviously oh, is uh, yeah. going to clue in people on the X-Men coming back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Could they actually tie that in or just keep that separate? Nah. And then on the back end, a show that's going to be overlapping at the end of the year is Agathon, Coven of Chaos. That's going to be on the schedule right now. If it were to hold true, the last MCU entity of 2023 so yeah it's 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 a loaded mcu docket on place so i'm i'm hoping that uh that will be the case and that everything will hold true hold everything will hold true and, and we won't have any issues on that sony and and marvel looks like the way that their release schedules are working out they're trying to work in conjunction with each other instead of arguing with each other echo like i said echo i think Anything from Echo on is still subject to change. Echo is scheduled for a summer release. So anything after that, Echo and moved on, I think is still subject to being shipped around if there's a problem or there's a, it doesn't test well or something like that. But for right now, I think 2023 is pretty solid. I think it's going to tell a story more and more about what Kang's influence will be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it's something that is going to have to have a presence, not just in Ant-Man and Loki, but in some of these other properties like Secret Invasion and some others. But I think that's the key. You have to go ahead and, and start introducing Kang as a bigger threat to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, and I think that it's it's, it's Secret Invasion. It, it, I mean, honestly, I, I like the idea of Secret Invasion leading off. I did. For Disney+, Plus. I did. Because I think it'll probably be, end up being the best Disney Plus series we get this year. I do. Well, probably be Secret Invasion. Now, I won't lie, folks. I was wrong on She-Hulk, 100%. Um, I, I, had a, I knew in my gut Miss Marvel was going to be a great show. I did. I won't lie. I, I, I'm going to applaud myself. On many shows as a guest, I, I'm I glad you liked it much more than I did. I thought Miss Marvel was – listen, I just – here, I didn't have – I didn't have – I did not have high expectations for it. So at that point, what they gave me surprised me. And I first, thought it was all right. But well I, it, didn't, it didn't move the needle for me. I just I like to have a well lot produced. of the well, a lot of the phase four things did move the needle for me, and I think that coming off of what we came off with Avengers Endgame, that's very uh, human of me to have coming off that big high roller coaster of Infinity War and Endgame, and I'm like a lot of other people in the MC, you know that follow the MCU or just movie fans or fans in general of pop culture. That you come off that big roller coaster ride and you're hoping for something else that'll kind of satiate you or pacify you until something bigger comes along and you're looking for something a little bit more action packed and not always did you get it with the MCU and Phase Four. Well, you know, I like to be surprised once in a while. I do, and Miss Marvel yeah. surprised me. That's all I'm going to say. It's just that I was just surprised at how well done it was and the fact that it was consistent. It didn't have some of the same faults that Moon Knight did, for instance. Now, yeah. as far as this year goes, I would probably center in and say that um, Secret Invasion, I think, will be very well done. I mean, Kevin Feige's made it very clear it's going to be a vehicle for Mendelssohn and for Samuel L. Jackson to, to carve yeah. the path and lead, lead the way. Now, the fact that they decided to go ahead and throw in uh, Daenerys from um, Game of Thrones in there, too, you know, to play uh, Abigail Brand, who is a mutant, mm. folks, right? So we're going to have – I mean, how they're going to play that, we'll have to see, right? I mean, they Namor dropped – he's a mutant. He's a mutant. Miss Marvel yes. supposedly is a mutant, so we'll see how they handle that. I mean, anytime the mutants are involved, I, I find that interesting. I want to see where they go with that. And I can't believe that they would bring her in like that as a one-off just in this series and not have her around. Yeah, it's it's very curious that if anything right now is going to be put as a one-off because you have on the horizon Secret Wars. There you go. That needs 
and by its very nature if people have seen the comics or even if you know about it a lot of characters you need a lot of characters period uh, you know coming out of the woodwork and i don't think there's any permadeaths that are going to be happening you know no okay nick fury dies in secret evasion i don't think that's going to be the case no ant-man dies in ant-man and quantum media I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that, again, you need as many characters for the ultimate ending in phase six when it comes to Secret Wars. Then you will see a lot of your characters really dying off as far as the older ones are concerned. Then all bets are off, in my opinion, there. But up until then, I think this year is about growing the existential threat that's out there in Kang and the Kang Dynasty. I want to see the. I want to see. I mean, look, Guardians of the Galaxy three should be a solid film too, just like Ant-Man: Quantumania. Hmm. I I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't say which one I think would be better, but but then again, Gun's directing the third installment of Guardians of the Galaxy. So with Gun on board on that with that, I'd probably call Guardians of the Galaxy probably be a little bit better. Maybe it'll do better in the, in the box office. I know that. Again, it's that connective tissue. People love the Guardians. They do. That's that. There's there's nothing tainted with them at all. People love the Guardians. If you like Marvel, you the MCU, you like the Guardians. Yeah. Those films are pretty cool for everybody. Uh, even the second one, I thought, you're know, looking back at it, was better than I thought at first. But overall, I think the Marvels, I'm optimistic. I am. Could be pretty good. I mean, hey, they're 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 giving they're giving Brie Larson a lot of a hell lot of heavy hitters to you know to play are. with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're going to bring back the whole crew from the first movie. Tammy, I'll be back, right? I mean, you know, we'll have him back. We'll have um, you know, we'll have this Marvel there. You know, we'll have of course the one the wonderful Monica Rambeau. Because of her, I've created the Monica Rambeau Award. Because after WandaVision, you know, for the best breakout secondary character in a Disney Plus series, you know. So good luck finding one of those in Moon Knight, of course. But what if season two is something I'm really optimistic for and really happy for? Hey, what if season one wasn't so bad? Yeah. And X-Men, hey, X-Men 97, Gerald, uh, Gerald look, it, for me, it's like fan service. I, I Do I see connective tissue really heavily to, like, what they're going to do with the X-Men in, in the MCU? Ah, I don't see a heavy connection. I don't see this being any kind of predictor, predictor or like metric or gauge. You know what I'm saying? I see them really kind of just following what they say they're going to do, just continuing following in the stories where the series picked up, you know, dropped off. Either way, everybody loves the series. Who doesn't like the series? Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's love. It's like fan service. I can't wait to watch it. I've never reviewed an actual uh, animated episode other than What If? So it'll be well, fun to go. do. And you're right. When you, when you bring it all together, Gerald, with the Sony stuff. And the animated stuff and everything and whatnot, it is actually more like 12 or 13, I think, properties, or 11 or 12. Depending on of, whether we, yeah. A lot of MCU watching for us, and that's going to be yes. great for your show. But before we head on out, my friends, speaking of the MCU, you got to go ahead and clue in everybody, as the man of true knowledge, exactly what you and your great cast is doing at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Well, you know what? Um, we're, 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 we're taking in the fact that we hit 10,000 subscribers. Congratulations. At, yeah, after it took us uh, – thank you very much, Gerald. I really appreciate that. It's very humbling. The first 1,000 was something I never thought was, a comp- was something I'd accomplish. But I knew it was a big – it was the big hill I, we had to get over. And, hey, I'll tell you what, folks. I didn't get much advice for YouTube, but the little bit I got was once you get over 1,000, things get easier. What that meant, I didn't know. But it turns out it means that after you hit that first 1,000 and it takes you a, a year plus to do it, all of a sudden, your next 9,000 just come in like the next six months. So, That's you good. know, isn't that great? So it's wonderful. Yeah. It's great. And um, honestly, we, you know, I can thank any, I can't thank anyone really at the end of the day more than my co-host, Cybernetic Shark, 
and all of our wonderful guests and all of the people we collaborate with because they're the ones that make the bleeding edge, not me. I'm just the idiot that gets to sit there and enjoy the success and have fun with the shows and, and got lucky. But either way, um, no, um, we're doing great. We're, uh, we're, uh, unfortunately, we're reviewing Willow tonight. Uh, you know, this evening, I'm a little bit depressed about it. I won't lie. I'll be heavily drinking tonight during the show while I moderate and drink at the same time. It'd be great. So that, at least that should be entertaining, right? Usually is. I'm really trying to be care- very not very nice about Willow because Cyber likes it. So I'm I'm watching out what I'm saying and whatnot and everything with, with the reviews. But we're also doing Andor. So thank God Andor is saving me from Willow. Although at the same time, Gerald, the contrast of reviewing Andor and Willow at the same time, oh man. It's, it's, you know, it just makes Willow even worse. But either way, on Sundays, folks, on 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, we're doing an MCU in Phase 5 and 6 live stream special series where we're basically previewing, breaking down, theorizing, discussing, you know, just getting after it, Bleeding Edge style, everything Phase 5 and Phase 6. I don't even have a title limit on it. We might do it all the way through March. Uh, but do it till Secret of Everybody, do it till What If Season 2. We'll have to see. But uh, we're having a blast with it. And after Andor and, um, you know, Willow, basically we got two episodes left. We're wide open. We're, we're trying to decide what we want to cover next. So all I know is it'll be dope. We don't just do MCU. We're doing The Mandalorian. And, hey, thanks to everybody out there, you know, that um, supports Gerald, supports the MCU's bleeding edge through Gerald, and, you know, and me coming on here. And, again, thank you very much, Gerald. I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and whatnot. And I always love the chance to break it down and discuss Marvel and the, the fandom stuff. Sounds good, my friend. Always glad to have you here. Once again, it's Jeff Sabota, the man of true knowledge. You got to go ahead and check him out today on MCU's Bleeding Edge, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course on YouTube and all this major social media as well. Jeff, it's been great having you on with your thoughts and your predictions on what may happen this year in the MCU. I know you'll be stopping by, talking more MCU as it happens, seeing if our predictions and thoughts on the year 2023 will hold true we'll find out but i'm looking forward to some great marvel cinematic universe watching right here in the pop culture cosmos and if you're ready to talk toys i haven't stopped talking toys let's get to it it's the jay and rob toy show and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of toy talking goodness and this time we talk marvel figures we talk dc figures holy grails, playsets, what-if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. You just finished, was it Assassin's Creed Valhalla? I did, yes. Okay. And you were sending me messages during the entire time, especially when it got into the latter stages. In fact, you gave everybody updates. You were in the 90-hour range here, I think, on last week's show. Well, you have completed Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. How, so how many hours did it take you? 113 hours. And that was just, like, the main story. Like, the the... Well... There's not really a main story in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but in order to get to the end of like the main story, you have to do a whole bunch of unnecessary tasks. I guess you'd call them side quests. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just, it, it, none of those takes, you know, you can't do all those in like an hour. Like they're anywhere from like two to five hours a piece. And then that's not counting like the, all the leveling up you have to do to be strong enough to, to complete those missions. So it, uh, 
yeah, I'm totaling in at about 113 hours and it just, it felt, yes, it's a good value for $60, but it just felt far too long. You know, and I remember like speaking to the guys on the super BS games cast about this years ago and saying that like, it's, Oh, you know, I, I see these companies trying to, they, they make these games so massive. Ubisoft is completely like they're guilty for this all the way. But they make these games so massive because they don't want you playing anything else for the rest of the year. Like the whole object of a Watch Dogs or Assassin's Creed is that you are playing their game only until the next one comes out. And how is uh, that wrong? And so that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's wrong. But for somebody like me who has story OCD, like I have to play from start to finish. I can't just jump into another game. You know, like if I hadn't finished Assassin's Creed Valhalla last week, I wouldn't be playing Resident Evil right now because I don't have that. I don't have the ability to do that. So I, I don't know, like, I, how long is too long for a game? Because I remember playing games like Gears and Halo, and what I loved about those was I can sit there and I can get through the campaigns in, what, six to ten hours usually. So that, that's usually a week or two weeks, and I can just be done with that game. Whereas... Something like a sat, even a Final Fantasy games like I Final Fantasy 15. I think I played through that one in about a month. Like that didn't take me anywhere near as long. I think that one was a total of about 40, 47 hours. So that one was like nowhere near as long as these Assassin's Creed games are starting to get. And so now I'm starting to wonder like you don't get anything added on to the story until you get to the end. So at what point does it become not worth it anymore to play an Assassin's Creed story, especially with a, a game that is not going anywhere? First of all, how long do you think is too long for a game? That's a good question. Ever since you posed that question to me, I've been thinking about that a, a lot. As someone who played Oblivion and currently has a, a running time, I think, in the 130-hour range, and I'm still enjoying it, and I still want to play it, and I still want to go ahead and experience it. I don't know if I can really answer that question. I mean, it all depends on, I think, the game and the quality of what you do in it. I mean, I know uh, IGN just dropped an article. There was an op-ed in it in regards to Returnal and the fact that you have to, you know, if, if it's too tough and you have to, it, it doesn't have checkpoints and you have to go back all the way to the start and you're right where, you're play, where your spaceship crashes and you have to go back through it again if you don't get through it the right way and I think someone's uh, the person who wrote it said they were on their hundredth time, you know, coming back down to the area because they're reliving because you have to go through so much without dying and they're really getting fatigued by it. And that just tells me that, okay, it's something that they're not doing enough at Housemark to keep it going after 30, 40 hours to make it challenging or interesting. For me, Oblivion, I, I'm always seemingly finding something interesting to do even uh, 130 hours in and i think it's all dependent on the game personally i i know that when we were covering about how people were just so angry had to pay 60 dollars for a campaign that was five and a half hours six hours long and i know a lot of people were just roasting it and, and so it's on the other end of the spectrum so i don't know if there's any real right answer but if you're if you're going through it and you said you could because you said you have story OCD and I've known you now for years you have story OCD, I mean it just seems like if it's just tiresome and you're just grinding and you're just grinding and it's no longer fun and challenging, yeah that's too long. But if you're still enjoying what you're doing a hundred hours in, 
is that too long? I don't know. I don't think there's really any one right answer. I just think it's where the developers go ahead and make challenges for the game. Okay, this person, for someone who's gone this game 50, 70 hours, do we throw new things out there or is it more of just the same? Right. So, okay, I'm looking at a game like Mass Effect, right? Like they have these side quests and they're, I, I think a, a typical Mass Effect playthrough is anywhere from like 40 to 60 hours, right? Depending on uh-huh. how much exploration you do. So that in that game, though, the side quest makes sense because it adds to the mythology. This game has so many just like fetch quests, you know, it's not. And for some reason, like Odyssey, Odyssey was OK because a lot of this stuff was intertwined into the the main quest. Right. Like you didn't in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you have to do, you know, your brother gets kidnapped and you have to go form all these alliances. I think there's like 15 of them and each has its own separate like story or chapter. And once you complete all those, then you can get like the legitimate ending, but they won't let you get that real ending until you do all these alliances. In Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it was just a mainline story. You just did that, and then you can do the the kill all the people in the order if you want to. So that you know that one made sense, but this one, like England, is such a drab place, and there's not in I mean not in real life, but in the game, there's just like. Thank so, you for changing that for our UK listeners out there. No, I know. I, I, England's, be- you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a beautiful place. But, like, in the game, it's just, it's so, like, compared to Greece, it's so, like, dark and dreary. And there's not enough, there's so much in this, like, small little continent that they put together here. And there's no reason to go there. So they send you on fetch quests. Like, you have a side quest that might take you all the way across the map. So just, it doesn't make sense to do something like that. Like, they, it seems like they were in development. They're like what do we do now? Like, how do we fill the rest of this game? So like, I can't really sit there and say, yeah, I enjoyed all my time with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like by the time I was done with it, I was like, Oh geez, thank you for being done with this game. Um, Odyssey. I didn't feel that way. I thought Odyssey was a great game because it was very like pointed in what it wanted you to do. Mass effect, you know, going back to the side quest, they don't send you on a lot of fetch quests. Most of it's intertwined into your story or how the game's going to end or where you're, where you want to go. And they have mythology in there, right? Like they tell you a little bit more about the world with everything you do. You know, Final Fantasy VII, kind of the fetch quests help you level up your character so that you are strong enough to face the last boss. But the good thing about those is that they don't, you can do each quest in less than 10 minutes. So, you know, looking at a game on this scale, it's just, I can't imagine like as someone... If I didn't have story OCD, you know, I couldn't justify finishing it. You know, I would probably get into it about 10 hours. And if I didn't see an ending in sight, I would probably put the controller down. But I don't have the ability to do that. So, like, once I start a game like this, I'm stuck on it. And it just it drives me insane because I feel like 113 hours, like I wasted so much time I could have spent playing other things. Well, with the Returnal, again, that was uh, remarked on in IGN. That I mean, the, the price tag on it is $70, and we're going to have to get the realization that these games, for the most part, that are coming out, especially if they're AAA, they're going to be coming out at a $70 price tag for this new generation. People are going to have to get used to that. People are going to want that money. If, if people are going to want that money invested in. If people are going to want something for that money that they spend. And if that's the case, you're going to see be seeing hopefully anyways a lot of games that are coming out that are 50 70 90 130 hours long or 
infinite as far as is concerned, whether it's just a whole bunch of fetch quests or challenges that may be mundane to some people, that may be actually a good experience for others. Yeah. It's just how much, it's just how much do you like to grind? I think with a lot of these games, in fact, my daughter, one of my daughters with, with a lot of the games she likes to play is how much are you invested in the grinding of the game? Because I think with a lot of these games that, especially the free to play games and things of that nature that are out there, it's how much do you like to go ahead and sit down and grind? Because that's the way you go ahead and experience the game, especially for a lot of these free-to-play games. How much are you willing to grind? How much time are you willing to invest? And how much time are you willing to spend on these games? Right. And, you know, you had mentioned um, Elder Scrolls. Like, and I guess it, it comes down to how much you enjoy the world also. Mm -hmm. Like, with Elder Scrolls, you could probably beat the main game in, in less than 20 hours if you wanted to. But there's so much extra to explore in there. You know, like there's just the world is so massive, but it's also very beautiful and calming. You know, they got that soundtrack playing and you see like, oh, hey, look, there's like a dungeon or something up on top of that mountain. I want to go check it out. And so I guess like it, it all depends on how much you enjoy that world and the joining the guild. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the arena battles that I've been in oblivion, I became an arena fighter and I wanted to get into that and try and improve my game there. And yeah, you know, the, it leads into a lot of other things or branches out. That's not even related to the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many different, I guess you can call them games within that game. And I think that in that case, like the extra time you pour into it is justified. But if you're like, trying to get people to do quests or yeah if you're giving side quests out just for the sake of getting someone to go across the map to see what else you've created in this world i i think that you need i think i don't think that's a great strategy for getting people to like um i don't know what's the term i'm looking for where you stay in a replayability i don't think that that's like a good way to go about that like make make every part of the map mean something you know, like that, that would more justify the time that people are pouring into these games. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I cannot agree with you more because uh, on certain games, because like you said, it's just fetch quests or stuff that's bloated, stuff that's unnecessary. And, you know, it takes away from the original great experience that you had. And then there's other games, especially these free-to-play games, where the goal, if you don't want to spend or invest money on it and cut the corners by putting the chunk of change into it, is grind and grind and grind and grind. And for me, a lot of those games are, like you said, hard to swallow after so many hours. And I, I don't have that OCD. I will leave if I'm not invested. I will, I will leave and not come back. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good about that as far as if you're not capturing my attention, I'll think of, I'll do something else. You know? And then if that's the case, you know, I, you've lost a customer right there. But, you know, with you, I can understand that it's hard for someone who wants to go ahead from start to finish and get into it, especially if you originally enjoyed it so much. And it leaves a somewhat bittersweet taste in your mouth by the time you finished it 115 hours plus later. Yeah, exactly. And so even, you know, I when I like playing DLC and so in a game with a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, yeah, I'll probably go back to when, when some DLC comes out, but I don't want to. You know, it's not going to be something I'm going to jump on right away, whereas, like, other games, Mass Effect, Final Fantasy, whatever it might be, those are games that, like, I love the story so much, I wanted to go back the moment I was able to. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, there's so much to talk about in the realm of how long is too long for video games. I mean, because it goes from one end, like we were talking about with the Order 1886, and then it goes on the way on the other, like you were talking about, way on the other with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I will ask and put this out to you if you're listening to this, and I want to hear your thoughts. How long is too long for a video game? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My mindset, you know, you can sit there and you call it the, the old man getting them off the lawn thing. I'm like, no, guys, I'm very, very, very modern. Believe me, I'm modern. I'm, I embrace the cell phone. I embrace the ability to get communication the way it is. Believe me, I'm not one it's, of those guys that's like, ah, oh, the computer, oh, this. No, quite the contrary. I love that stuff. But why did we have to lose our primal domination? Why did we kind of get soft and go, eh, I don't want to get hurt. Eh, I don't want to do this. It's, 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 it's depressing. I mean, he's super modern. Like, is Google going to kick me out now? I don't know. Uh, yeah, you can shut us down, and Google's got a contract for our heads. Uh, he's so modern, he's wearing a Now is the Time on Sprockets when we dance sweater next to me. Toad the wet Sprocket? That's right. That damn phone. That's right. Listen, you know, it's... Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of the iPhone, okay. I'm glad you brought that up, Henry. I finally got an iPhone. Oh. Okay, I you? finally got one. And I have, have to, to admit, I have to admit, it's pretty bad. No, you don't like and, the and, iPhone? and it has nothing to do with the fact that I haven't gotten used to it, okay? Nothing. Half the stuff that I do on the phone, it, it's an extra step on the iPhone. Maybe mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. So, but I did, I am going to give it one year. I'm going right. to give it one year. And the reason why I'm going to give it one year is because my previous phone was trash. They made a really bad Samsung this last batch. Oh, so I figured this was the year to try to go that route. Plus, my buddy was just pumping it up about how it's really good for business and all that. And I said, you know what? Like I said, I'm, I'm a rogue planet, man. I don't do business the same way everyone else does. But hey, I gave it a chance. I'm going to learn how to use it. Worst case scenario, I go into going back. I, I go back to Android and I already know how to use the iPhone. So it is what it is. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, Jim. I know it's it's I'm, I'm struggling with this mental weakness of society. It's not just sports. It's just society in general. They're, everybody wants to take the easy way out. No one wants to work. No one wants to push a little. It's just they want to feel good. They want that dopamine, man. Dopamine 24-7. All the time. Every time. Uh, they don't want to feel any pain. And we, we these are our examples. All the heroes that we have, all the LeBrons and all these guys, this is this is our this is our. These are our, our idols, right? Not my idol, but, you know, society. Well, you could take a day off making $40 million a year. There you go. I mean, you want, you want to know how old I am? I'm looking at the banner below us, and I'm like, wait, I don't do half of those things. And I don't even know what Trovo is. 
I'm like, what? What's Trovo? Ask uh, John. He knows everything. Well, John, I think. Oh no, there he is. He's uh, he's got uses both platforms. He can afford two lines and service. Hold on. Hold up. Wait. I take out a loan to go to McDonald's. Why do you go to McDonald's, Betty, my cat? Nothing ever works there. <laughs> yeah, and the food is. It is. It is the. It is the every other day game of the Lakers where no one shows up. <laughs> delicious. It's delicious food. I, yeah. I, I couldn't. Anyway, listen, you guys, it's been a great show tonight. I'm like Walter White. I have a burner phone. <laughs> you you only say you have it when you're about to pass out. Is that? Is That's that right. How it and works? I hope it's I hope it's a foot phone so you can be like Captain's Log. So so it's funny we're we're bouncing all over here, but that. That show is hilarious in so many ways. Of course, usually good shows like that always have some comedy in it, right? So people who don't know this, the actress played Skylar White, got death threats. <laughs> Could you imagine that? You are someone who's been killing themselves right. in that industry. You get your, your shot, and that was... You finally get your big break. You get your big break, right? Right. And what validation, what an amazing validation. I'd be stoked. To be on one of the greatest TV shows ever, and you're getting death threats. I, I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna say the acting coach has to be ecstatic, right? They're like, I hope you hit so. it out of the park. You hit it out of the park, Skyler. You, 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 you actually got people believing that's who you are. <laughs> yeah, John, you're, petting my cat is right. Chipotle and by the way, her name is Anna Gunn. Sorry, I should say Anna Gunn. That's who. Right, right. right. So Anna Gunn got death threats for playing Skylar White. God bless you, Anna Gunn. You yeah. are one of the best to get death threats for playing a fake role. You thanks, thanks, got, you thanks killed for, it on. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Got to be the hash. Listen, John, Chipotle is where you go to get salmonella, not a meal. So by the way, I just had Chipotle today, and it was really cool. good. Really, really good, and I, I recommend putting lime in the burrito. Is that to kill the salmonella? I can't argue against that, Jimmy. You're right on that. <laughs> I mean, it always like five people, and like I feel like they have a salmonella outbreak at least once a year. It's kind of yeah, like yeah, we're it's, it, it's it's about geographical advantage at that point. Suppose, they just, they just put a Chipotle down. My kid loves Chipotle, and we just we just have to we have to deal with it. I will say that one of the stranger features of modern America is the Cheesecake Factory's ability to mail you a cheesecake anywhere on planet Earth. Seems odd to me that it would still be good. Well, you know how much preservatives those things have. They opened up <laughs> a cheesecake about five years ago here in Temecula. They had opened one previously, like years ago, but it didn't, you know, the people here were still broke at the time, so now they have a little bit more money now. The dish I can't get away from is the jambalaya cheesecake. No matter what I do, I get there, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do something different. They got this menu that's eight inches long, wide. <laughs> Yeah, thick, and I'm going. Okay, I'm gonna get the biscuits and gravy, and then as I'm waiting, I'm like, yeah, yeah I get the jambalaya, <laughs> and I never have the cheesecake because the cheesecake oh. there, you eat one bite, it's so and good. it's like you just ate a brick, oh. like one bite. I'm like, dude, I'm full. I can't. I can't. No, do this. it's so good. Yeah, the Adams, the Adams peanut butter cap cheesecake is so good. It's so good. Henry, uh, you gotta hit me up, brother. I got, yeah. I got all the ins on the wine country area, even though I don't really drink that much wine. You make a, you know, OG cheesecake is great too. Listen, PC gamer, I don't think anybody's, listen, LeBron deserves exactly what he's getting. Okay, okay. Uh, let, let, let's go ahead, Jamie. You answer that question. Nah, you don't want, okay. 
Okay, no, I got it. Gamer. I got it. I, listen, he's, he ahead, gets it. He's ahead. exactly what he's getting. You know what I mean? Like, you can't encourage the front office to trade away your core guys who have been with you through fire. And this is not a knock against Westbrook. Westbrook is not the problem here, right? The problem is that nobody has the cojones in the Laker front office to stand up to LeBron. They want to entitle their superstars so that they can continue to be the NBA team where superstars go to die. And they are willing to come here for, you know, a couple of years while they still got some jazz in their feet. And nobody wanted to stand up to LeBron and say, you know, it's not a good idea. Rob didn't do it. Jeannie didn't do it. And then as soon as it happened and the whole world was like, this is going to be a bad fit. Then LeBron started getting grumpy. That is just a giant pile of BS, in my opinion. And so LeBron can sit in it. Rob can sit in it. Jeannie can sit in it. And I feel bad for Russ because Russ is the one who gets dumped on as if it's his fault he got traded for. You read scathing responses about Tom Brady, people getting involved in his personal life. Look, if Tom Brady wins 18 Super Bowls, I'm cheering for him at that point. I'm still cheering for him. I'm like, dude, you don't see greatness like this, okay? And on top of that, every time I see him do something that's not Tom Brady being all goody-goody, it's always revolved around, I want to win. I want to do what needs to get done. How do you fault that? How do you fault it? And what goes on in his private life? Stay out of his private life. That's not your business. It's not our business. I don't care. When he said... After all that crap that I kept reading, I'm like, why am I even reading this? I want to know about the, the game. Like, I don't care about this other stuff. They asked right. him, are you going to retire? He's like, I'm never retiring. When he said that, I became an even bigger Tom Brady fan. And this is a guy that cost the Steelers, my team, probably three Super Bowl appearances, right? So with that, LeBron James' issues is they call him the most polarizing player in sports. There couldn't be a better description of him because mm. he does things that you love at the same time, he does things that make you want to pull your hair out. So that's why you're going back and forth because you'll get that response. Well, Joe, he started a school, you know? Okay, it's not about that. I get it. He's got a billion dollars. Of course, it's going to be a lot easier for him to create a school. I'm not trying to downgrade it. That's great. You did that. And then when you talk about the sports side of things, how are you going to be the greatest ever if you're afraid of the moment? Nine out of ten times, I don't. I'm sorry. I I don't. I, I I can't call you that guy. You're you're the greatest. Don't get scared of that moment. They flourish. They became the greatest of all time because of that. That's not a debate. That's not me. Hey, Joe Soros. He's got this line of things that he has to write down that creates something. No, this is bona fide sports one on one knowledge. The greatest of all time in their sports have always been those guys that you give them the ball, you give them the puck, you throw that baseball, and they're smacking that thing out, hitting that thing out, or scoring that thing. I'm just saying, at this point, what else are we going to talk about? Because it's the same issue. Game Almost every other game, they're not closing these games out. You're telling me you're the greatest. You're dropping 35, 10, and 8. So don't tell me about you've been in the league 20 years. You're playing like you've been in the league for two years. You're he- you're, you're healthy. Where, where is it? Where are you? I'm going to end my discussion on that, on this great night where Gerald was the spectator for the first time in a while. And Jamie and I were able to put together our Bash Brother hits to entertain the crowd. As Joe, uh, Joe, did you know John is a Cowboys fan? 
I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, John, John. <laughs> you're either gonna get waxed. You're either gonna you're either gonna get waxed, waxed tomorrow, which I don't think everyone thinks the Cowboys are losing tomorrow. I don't think they are. They're gonna get smoked next week though when they play the Niners. All right, so let's 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 close it out here. I will agree. I just want to say, Adam Hurley. You want to close it out? I mean, it's, it's we've been doing this for Jamie, an hour and a half. Jamie, I'll let. You, but, right, by, I, by all means, do the honors. All right, so a couple things. I agree with you, Adam Hurley. Can't have TB play only twenty minutes if you want Wendy in there playing both. Agreed. I thought Thomas Bryant probably should have played an extra ten minutes tonight. Did not. Uh, listen. We can, we can, we can. Wendy is more—he's more lateral, active. guys. He's more active. Yeah, I yes, think that they're going, they going for activity and not shot making, and that you know, who knows? It—it's neither here nor there. But anyways, we've loved having a, we've, the chat's been great. Hold on, I'm going to try to do my best, Jedry. We have the best chat. We have wonderful chat. The chat's been on fire tonight. Thank you to John and Douglas and Henry H and got the hash. Change it to got the hash. Got the shoes is just nobody cares about your shoes, bro. People care if you got hash, though. That means you're a party. Uh, Patting my cat, Zanger. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, you know, John, Cowboys are going to lose. It's That's what's going to happen. Sorry. And uh, I, 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 don't, I don't like football. Football is a I, it's like the most boring sport that you can watch in my opinion. Yeah, it's boring. I don't like it. I would rather watch I would rather watch soccer, football, true football. I would rather watch baseball. I would rather watch certainly rather watch basketball. I rank football above golf and tennis in terms of watchabilities. Too much downtime too much like walking around getting yourself set up for a play for like okay let's walk around for another 20 it's just boring i don't like it anyway good luck to everybody who's got a team uh still in the mix and sorry if your team lost today or yesterday or whenever uh and when football's over people focus more on basketball as it should be uh we here at the laker fast break know we have the best chat best fans we really thank you all for being with us here tonight uh, we'll see you tomorrow, 7.30 watch party, 10 o'clock uh, post-gamer. Joe, me, Gerald, who will not be at uh, Korean Barbecue. Maybe Laker Tom. Maybe Laker Tom. Maybe maybe Sean Grace. Well, I, can't, I don't know how to do a Sean. I, I can't do the, I can't do the uh, Nacho uh, Vidal or what was his name from uh, the, when Jack Black played a Mexican wrestler. Uh, Nacho Libre. <laughs> Libre. Thank you. Nacho Libre. I was like, Nacho Vidal, that's not right. No. Anyway, he's got a great Nacho Libre go, look going right now, and I, I, I can't say enough about it. So thanks, Jim. Thanks, all you guys. And we'll see you next time at Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much to Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge for stopping by, plus my co-hosts Josh Peterson and Jamie Sweet and Joe Soro from the Lakers Fast Break for being on today's show. If you get a chance, Check out the Lakers Fast Break channel wherever you get your podcasts because we do occasionally talk basketball as well. Don't forget this weekend, Melinda and I are back talking the latest news and trends in pop culture as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping... You have yourself a great day.
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.